0: Welcome to the Break the Chains Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolonik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame.
1: Thank you for listening to Break the Chains, Find Your Flame, the Promethean Project podcast. And we're here today with the founder, the president, El Capitan himself, Stephen Um, So today, myself and my sister are going to be conducting the interview. Um, Stephen is a master procrastinator. (laughs) Stephen has a master's. Stephen has a master's of education in marriage and family counseling, family therapy counseling. And he got his bachelor's at uh, UMass Amherst, his master's at Springfield college. He is also a uh, NASM certified. uh, I really shouldn't be doing this interview. (laughs) Uh, Physical personal trainer and um, also has uh, a certification in calisthenics Um, and so he is the founding force behind the Promethean project he is the one who set everything in motion and and gave us a call and wanted to know if we could contribute and um, we're kind of honored to have him as a brother and and with that being said we'll we'll just kind of bust this out and uh, giddy up onto this interview. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say giddy up. I, I should say wibbity-wibbity into this interview.
0: In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away,
1: our only hope is to break the chains and find our
2: flame.
1: Best sister ever. It must be Jenny's on this? Yeah, apparently my best sister Jenny's on this. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> oh. It nice. says best sister ever. We thought Jenny was showing.
2: Us. Oh, let me see. I see how it is. I noticed Steven's not saying anything.
0: No, I'm the, I'm the one who said it. <laughs> oh. He's the one who said it.
2: Well, you know I'm asking you questions, right?
1: Yeah. Kind of. With that being said,
0: Stephen, could you just introduce yourself a little bit? I I don't know if I can surpass that amazing introduction that (laughs) my older brother gave me. Um, I'm old. But he's right. I am a master procrastinator. Um, I have a master's in. Opposite. (laughs) I have a master's in education from Springfield College. Uh, marriage and family therapy, and mental health counseling. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I have been for the last seven years, seven years, Um, and, you know, I grew up with my older brother, older sister, and little sister, and my parents uh, traveling the world in my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. So we've had a lot of exposure to different cultures, different living um, situations. And it's always been really intriguing to me to see uh, how people interact in different ways and different lifestyles and different um, settings. So from a very early age, I've really enjoyed that. And so I think through high school, coming from a diverse population from Out by Boston, Hanscom Air Force Base, which I know Kaylin still refers to as her home. Um, To Belchertown, it was a weird shift, a weird dynamic. And so I really wanted to jump back into a field where there was more diversity and I could study those things. So I got my bachelor's at UMass in uh, psychology and uh, a lot of ins and outs in between, a lot of different retail jobs until I got my master's. And then Really found a home with uh, counseling in different, uh, many different fields. Excellent, excellent. So, uh,
1: actually, to to start kind of at the the bottom, what you just said, uh, go working up into your field, um, doing work in retail, uh, yeah. doing some some management work in retail. Um, how did that color your take on dealing with people
0: in in? the therapy profession. I think it really taught me patience <laughs> for anyone who's ever worked retail. I think patience is, is a virtue. If you're, if you're going to do any of that uh, yeah. work and excel at it. And I think it also taught me compassion, really being able to look at different people's walks of life. So you have like such a short interaction in, in that setting that You only get the behavior and it's really hard to get a feeling for a person just from that short initial behavior. And I think it really taught me how to emotionally connect in that way and say, okay, they're not really mad at me. They're mad at a different uh, situation. And if I can let go of my my own personal reaction, I'm, I'm better able to serve, better able to engage with that person to not see that behavior directed towards me as a person, but towards the general situation that they were in. And once I could buy, like bisect that, I feel like it became a little bit easier to engage with someone who was not very, not someone I would really engage with in, in my personal life.
2: When you were working in retail, was that when you were studying psychology or was that prior?
0: Uh, it, was, it was a little bit of both and a little bit of after. Um, I started working in retail, mostly directly. My um, my bachelor's at UMass, I worked at a local mall doing uh, collectibles and cards, selling comic books, cards, toys, sports memorabilia. And so I don't know if anyone's ever been into any of those stores, but you have to know how to engage with many different walks of life. You have a lot of people who are into sports, a lot of people who are into comic books and those two don't necessarily always correlate. So you have to be able to engage in many different um, walks of life, let's say. And so a little bit when I was doing my bachelor's, a little bit after that, I moved to New Jersey after I got my bachelor's degree and I worked in retail at Crate and Barrel, um, which was really cool because I learned a lot about stemware and flatware and and different (laughs) dining pieces and the makeup of what makes uh, bone china different than porcelain and things of that nature so and i'm always i consider myself always like a eternal learner so even that small stuff i was really intrigued by so nice
2: so Well, it's weird with Marcus leaving.
0: <laughs> so, for the listeners, my brother Marcus just had to leave. Uh, his his son split his lip open, so. Um, so now the show's
2: all f- mine. Shows yeah. all Caitlin.
0: So, like, like <laughs> Caitlin touted that she had a lot of questions for me. So, why Ugh. why don't we see where this goes?
2: <laughs> all right. Um, so we know a little bit about your history, but. We don't know much about the Promethean Project yet. So I kind of want to start it off with why you decided to create the Promethean Project, what the Promethean Project is. Um, And once you explain that, I have another question for you, so.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly when the Promethean Project manifested. At first it was just personal training. I was, I was doing some counseling out by Boston and I was really just beat down by the, the practice. I was working long days, 12 hours days and working with clients who would no-show or not show up and we wouldn't get paid for those no-shows. So I'd be working 12 hour days but getting paid for five hours, which made it like really hard to to have a lot of hope <laughs> in this kind of career. Uh, and, it, you know, I was working at a place that really was a jumping off part. I found that out. I found that out later that it was really a jumping off part, like a way to get into the practice and learn some skills and then circle back to doing passionate work. Um, but at that time, I was really burnt out and I had this love of fitness and exercise. So I decided to go to get certified for my NASA certification. I got that. And I wanted to start doing some personal training. So originally it was called the Prometheus Project. Um, and my first client was my best friend, Matt, <laughs> which uh, was more fun than actual any, any kind of actual work. And so then over the years, I reconnected to this idea that you guys and I had talked about a long time ago about having our own building. And I would counsel in it and Marcus would do martial arts in it and you would do therapy dogs and and um, so <clears throat> kind of circling back to that. And so the Promethean Project was born from that. This idea of all inclusive health and wellness, not just, hey, let me do um, mental health over here, let me do physical health at a different provider, let me, you know, do martial arts, let me do meditation, nutritional counseling, and all at different providers. And because when you think about it, health and wellness, that's just all encompassing, right? We don't really need to segment it in that way and have different information from different people. Those are old. A wellness center, create a wellness center that focused a little bit on all of these aspects. And if not being able to, to do them, we could have practitioners come in and just sublet space from us to offer it. So that it could be more of a, a case management kind of model but have a place where everyone could come in and just work on their health together regardless of walk of life regardless of uh, finances that's why we went for the nonprofit so that we could get grants to create a space where it doesn't really matter what your economic level is you can all come to the same place and do the same work
2: that's awesome and i love that you asked me to be a part of it i feel a little bit under Qualified, um, but, but we're getting there. Um, do you have anything to add, Marcus?
1: I, I mean, we could just we can just go straight into the um, the whys and, and the wherefores. And, and my, how do you see with the current situation? I guess we, we could kind of break them up. We'll start with COVID and, and the, the COVID situation and people's yeah. mental health. How do you see not only your your individual work with them? But also the Promethean Project, how do you see them, uh, that gap being filled? How, how can the Promethean Project and, and also some of the stuff in your own individual practice, how, how do you help people who are going through, whether it's emotional, uh, mental, or, you know, having anxiety because of things from anything from being in close proximity to people uh, to having to wear masks, stuff like that. How, how do you help people in those two modalities?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough question to really have one specific answer for because everyone's a little bit different. But let me just start by saying what we're going through with the pandemic is a trauma event. It's a pretty significant trauma event for everyone who's going through it. Now, whether we internalize that trauma um, and hold on to it for longer, or whether we're able to say, OK, this is where we're at. We're going to compartmentalize what's going on, find a new normal, and give us structure and move on. Uh, it's still a trauma event, like to, to pull us away from our normal life without any understanding of what's actually going on with a bunch of uh, news articles and, and segments that contradict each other without ever really understanding what it is. And then people arguing about rights and, and then, you know, throwing it in people's faces. It's a, it's a significant trauma event. And so, when we work with that, there's a whole slew of things that come with it. There's depression, there's anger, there's, you know, anxiety, there's increased substance use, right? There's um, like turning towards negative behaviors to cope. And we haven't really gotten into it too much, but my own journey with mental health and, and uh, you know, negative behavioral coping strategies. Uh, was really profound to me and and so I would get anxious, I would get depressed, and I would eat. That was my kind of addiction. The dopamine from cheese from you know just processed food made me feel really good for a little bit, and then once the reality kind of set in, it was this idea of false control. I can control how many pieces of pizza I eat no one 's going to stop me from eating ten pizzas ten pieces <laughs> ten pizza would be. That would be a good challenge. Impressive, impressive, yeah. But 10 pieces, I'm choosing to do that and no one can stop me. And it made me feel really good because my anxiety was like, I have no control over anything, but I can control this. There's also fake control because what happened was I would um, I would have that for a period and then I'd feel really guilty and really intensely bad about myself after. Uh, why can I stop at three? Why? Why did I have to keep going? And so in the long run, if we look at the long-term of things, I was making decisions on short-term gains for control, which really impacted my long-term ability to to have control over the situation. Um, And so based on what you're talking about, we're we're seeing all these things come out. We're seeing a lack of social uh, engagement, right? Like we're being pulled away from families. We were being pulled away from friends. And one of the most regulating factors for mental health is that connection to to something deeper, right? And we can do it through the screen, that's great, but also it's not the same, right? That that closeness is not the same as giving your mom a hug, um, you, you know, playing games with friends or even high-fiving people that you know, doing a good job, right? You can get that from your own individual family if you have a kid or a loved one that you're spending time with, but not everyone has that. Right. And so, so what we're seeing is a real lack of connection in the physical sense, a real lack of uh, emotional connection. And so all that kind of leads to this idea of, well, we're going to find that control wherever we can. Right. That control can be good or bad, but that's kind of what's coming out uh, right now. And so we're seeing people who, who like to play video games, they're just playing for eight hours a day on top of going to school or going to work online and we're just inundated with a bunch of stuff. And so to get back to your original question, like how do you deal with that individually? It's it's an individual case by case thing. And it's really about building resilience, right? This idea of, of bouncing back from adversity or being able to stand up strong in front of adversity. And that's a lot of building of self-esteem, impulse control, being able to reach out out of your comfort zone. Um, and so that's kind of the focus. And, and in terms of the Promethean project, it's about offering these skill sets that, that we offer, that connection of health um, to people virtually, um, but then also collaborating with them to find what they can do physically active, how can they interact with people in a way that may not be that physical presence, but can replicate that until they can find that and build that resilience through community. Excellent.
1: Excellent. And um, so, so just, just thinking about that, where do you see the Promethean project going um, to, to help build this bridge um, from individual to community and and go forward? where, where, I mean, Caitlin and I kind of know where you're going with it, but where do you see yourself in maybe two, five
0: years in terms of the Promethean project? Well, the beauty, I think the beauty about the model that we have is that it, it's all encompassing, right? So we have a healthy dose of competition, meaning that there are other mental health agencies out there. There are other yoga studios, there are other gyms, there are other, you know, meditation places out there. However, because we can bridge certain gaps that um, exist in the structure of wellness, we are able to work with those um, other companies and, and, organizations and kind of heightened, heightened what they need. And in the same time, heighten, uh use them as a benefit to kind of spread out. Right. And so um, actually Ruby's uh, podcast that we released today, uh, episode 30 was, there's a, there's a clip in there where we're joking around because when we first met Ruby Maddox, she was joking around with us saying that she feels like we could be a cult, right? <laughs> um, and, you, you know, in the episode we talk a little bit, she, she didn't mean like a cult cult, but like cult-like following. Um, and I think it's, it's because of, of our focus on community and uh, strengthening the people around us rather than going directly head-to-head uh, combating with them. And even when we've been doing this, I, I, I mentioned it in a couple of podcasts, when we were building this, that I think was our mindset going in. Uh, we got to beat these people. We have to outpitch them. We have to have a better model. And then when all three of us could take a step back, it's, it's really about like uh, enhancing the strengths of the people around us to enhance our ability to do the work, so.
2: I think we learned a lot, a lot from VVM And um, I actually listened so I'm not going to like go into more VBM love, but I just kind of wanted to highlight the way that you changed your mindset when we were confronted with so many, um, I don't want to say negative, but so many hard questions and like through the process of working with VBM, towards the end, we had a whole new
0: vision. I, I would even say, the day before the last pitch, right? We were working on stuff, but we were still conforming our pitch to what VVM expected. And Caitlin, I don't think you were there, but Marcus and I were sitting with Lauren and we were talking about, you know, like doing, like asking questions about for the final pitch. And she said something really profound to me and Marcus was like, do you want to pitch the way they want you to pitch? Or do you want to like speak from your heart and really talk about what the Promethean project was? And that moment was the most clear I ever felt about what we were doing. And, you know, I didn't really, like, it'd be nice to have that prize money, right? But I really didn't care because I felt more empowered going on the stage the next day to really talk about what, what our mission is and what our goals are.
1: Yeah, and I think that was, I remember being at some of those meetings with you and like the stress of, you know, we were always being told like you got to make it for a profit, and we're like, that's not what we're doing. Right. Um, and then I remember when she when she said that to you, you just release this big bundle, this like rock you were carrying on your shoulders, and release the stress. And you're like, you know, we're probably not going to get the money. I'm just going to go all in. And uh, and I think you did you probably your best pitch. Uh, when we yeah. when we pitch for the money and you know they're for profit and that's that's fine that's their thing, but I think the takeaway we can learn as individuals from that thing is like if you can do yourself, and as long as that as long as that has a couple you know things with it, being open to change, being open to your environment, and being open to the sense of community and how to deal with community because you it's really important right now with what's going on. Um, a lot of people are very Mm self-focused and that's okay if you're doing your own thing, but if you're not connecting to a greater sense of community, I think, I think you lose your individual growth and your, your ability to evolve. So, um, so I'd like to kind of segue in, into that.
0: Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I do, I do agree with you 100%. And I really do feel, I, I could feel the weight lift because then it was so much of that process was very much like, you, you guys could have a, a for-profit company and you're filling these gaps and all these things, but from from the very beginning, our our goal was always community and and to have a for-profit company. I didn't really. There's ways to do it, but with our model, I didn't really feel like it was conducive to having the community have some ownership over what we're doing. And that's, that's really why when Lauren said that to me, I was just like, yeah, (laughs) no duh." And I really, I, you know, I didn't the final pitch spoiler alert, I didn't finish on time, but I really felt the questions and answers was where we could actually let people know because we were, we had a template to do it and it was like, Hey, what's the profit margin and, and, you know, costs and all this stuff. And that's important to know. But really, I feel like the questions and answers really let us put our our ideas out there. And we've made a lot of good connections from it. So I'm very happy with that. Um, And being able to build our community even more, you know, the listeners, the podcast, you could tell we have VVM alum or people we've met from VVM all over this thing. And, um, And it's not by happenstance that that happened because so many people had such good ideas and such connection to, to this idea that, that we really wanted to hear their stories and, and put them out there because they're doing great work.
1: Yeah, uh, without a doubt, for the, uh, you know, like just to be associated and connected with the, those people who are um, very highly regarded in their individual fields and to get their feedback. And sometimes it was slightly conflicting. Um, but you know, having uh, Lauren as our guide was really good because she's she was she's all about the heart, and and I think I think the sense of community that we're looking to get really really needs that. And when you going back to that that whole pitch when you released, it was just like that's my brother, that's the one who's up there, that's the one who founded uh, the the project, and and I th- I think. That's the model we need to go forward. And if, if we're not going to, if people aren't going to understand it and people aren't going to be like, well, you're not trying to become rich off this, you know, too bad, you know?
2: Well, we're, that we're, that brings ahead. it back to, that brings it back to being your authentic self, right? And it wasn't until like we were our authentic selves that that message really came across and the feedback that we got from that pitch compared to the other pitches was I feel was more heartfelt. They knew it wasn't about the money. They knew it was about changing lives. And I just feel like you got to be authentic, right? You, you just got to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to continue the VVM talk because we promised we would, <laughs> but um, in talking about Ruby, it's like when, when you go out and hold yourself accountable to other people and, and your mission accountable to other people, you show up way more than if you're getting it for money or or just yourself and i think that's kind of you know to segue back into what you were leading to marcus is we we gotta start showing up for other people in general you know our our mission is to show up for other people but just in general as society as a society as a culture uh it can't just be about self anymore and you know a lot of people have live that model but like it's just so entrenched now that that we we have to start shifting as a a people
1: yeah there definitely needs to be a shift and i and i think holding yourself accountable has has uh this quality that that when people see that because i think that's what's you know like our president's not doing it but when people can see that someone's oh that's my bad or or, i got to work on this and people can see that you're doing something, I think that's the best because people are like, oh yeah, I could do that too. I just haven't been exposed to it recently because you get so caught up in everything, even even, um, you know, just being at home, you know? Like you, it forces you to deal with your own stuff. And a lot of times you just don't. You're just kind of like, well, I'll just play video games or I'll do whatever. But getting out there, and I know a couple of people you know, you know, like they're like, well, I'm going to use this time to work out or I'm going to use this time to, you know, try to transfer into another job or I'm going to use this time to educate myself or I'm going to use this time for, for self-cultivation. A- and that's what we need. We need more people like that, but we can't be silent. We have to We have to show that that's okay. And uh, I, I think, I don't know, Caitlin, do you want to talk about this uh, part? But I think it's like about a year anniversary of, of someone getting, you know, taking themselves self responsible and getting into uh, a more responsible mode for themselves and, and, and just trying to make a shift. Caitlin? All right, well, Caitlin's not here, so, <laughs> so uh, I'll Hello. do it. Uh, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry,
2: my, wait, wait. My internet keeps cutting out, so I just keep hearing parts of the so I'm trying hard to uh, be part of this, but I okay. honestly don't know how you
1: said. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. It's all right. So I'll just do it. So um, it's about a year since um, you stopped uh, drinking alcohol. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man,
2: I missed this whole thing.
1: Well, I, was, I tried to set you up, but you weren't there. <laughs> I know you wanted to do it, Caitlin's It was like, yeah, um, I did it for him July
0: 7th. July 7th, it'll be a year where... Oh. I thought I honestly I thought you were talking about Caitlin's Usborn connection. <laughs> I was like, oh cool. Like I'll let her speak about it, but um <laughs> Um, yeah, July seventh. Um I've talked about it a little bit on the on the podcast, but you know, it it kinda started with a weird dream a couple days after Fourth of July. And you know it, it, I saw my nephew uh older, like four or five, and he... In the dream he he kind of presented me with this sword shield combo combination and i was like wow this is this is great thought like what is it <laughs> and he's like oh you can use it as a, a shield you they come apart you can use it as a shield and a sword or you can put it together and use it as a broadsword uh, to protect and deflect and also attack and i asked him oh what, what's it called i've never heard of that and he said vasa and When I woke up, that that like I have these really intense dreams that I remember for a while, and I usually um, I usually look stuff up after just to kind of see if there's any connection to reality. This one time, um, I can't remember what the word was, but in my dream, I kept hearing this word over and over and over and over again, and it was um, Arabic, and when I looked it up, it meant burnt. And my dream was very much about being burnt out. And it was like this weird sign for me to to ease back a little bit on what I was doing at the time and, and try to find um, these periods of coping skills. But anyways, with Fa and, and Vasa, when I looked up Vasa, it's a period of time in, in Buddhist culture where uh, the monsoon season would often come around uh, from, I think it was like July 15th to October 15th. So it was a, a period of, of three months. And, you know, a lot of the Buddhists who, who were be- begging alms would move inside and really focus on, on meditation and, and kind of stepping away from, you know, toxins in, in their life. Not that many Buddhist monks had a ton of toxins at the time, but just really focusing on health and meditation. And so I was like, well, you know, there's a reason for this. So I, I'm going to dedicate these three months uh, to cultivating my meditation practice a little bit more. And I'm not going to drink alcohol and three months turned into six months. And I just have decided to keep going. And soon it will be a year. And it's been pretty awesome. There's definitely been times where I'm like, oh, I, I could really have a beer right now. Um, but then I, and it, I'm completely open for that if that ever comes up and I really feel like that's actually what I need. But then I start thinking about, well, why am I feeling that way? And it's this old pattern of, of kind of sitting around with a beer and watching football or, uh, Fun patterns, but also it's not necessarily a needed thing. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to see where, what happens. Maybe after the year, I'll, I'll have a couple of drinks. Maybe I won't. Um, but it's been challenging at times. I, I went to my good friend Aaron's wedding and, and didn't have a drink, um, and that was kind of cool because, again, my my goal was never like a time limit, just to kind of see. Um, it was awkward to be at a wedding where everyone was drinking and dancing, but I found that I could still dance. I can't really dance, but like I still feel comfortable dancing. Um, but it but it was really, really interesting um, because I realized how much I had used it as a social lubricant, um, not to a point of excess, but to a point of like feeling comfortable doing stuff that I was uncomfortable in. And I really turned that around on myself and said, well, if I feel so uncomfortable doing this, why am I focused on this? To get it done, and why can't I just try to do it without it? Even if it's awkward, even if my dance moves are even jerkier than they would be um, normally. <laughs> and I, the, I monkey. Actually, the, the monkey, um, the monkey, the monkey dance move, which was Gambit
1: Clutch, is pretty good. Gambit Clutch oh, is
0: pretty good. Uh, clutch. But you know what I found is I could still bust out the worm with no problem. So um, that is a showstopper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is legit. <laughs> there, there's a side story. I've never, I don't think I've told you guys this. Um, so anyone listening, we haven't really talked about how much I love to do the worm as, as a dance move. Um, there was one time. Really? When, Why not? When, well, it's just never come up. It's really been about other people. You know, I can't just <laughs> drop it oh, in.
2: I think that needs to come up more. <laughs> Future podcasters, you listen out when it's your turn.
0: probably all about the worm, man. Yeah, everyone um, needs to do the worm. We were, we were. Uh, we, I worked at Springfield College, I volunteered at Springfield College for AmeriCorps for two summers, and we did youth leadership groups. And there was one period where we had this dance off and a friend of mine, Shane, and I thought we were gonna put together this, this dance move that would just surpass everyone else. Um, so what it came down to was me um, doing the worm In my last kick up, Shane would uh, grab my legs and I'd lock my legs and he'd spin around and I'd go horizontal. And then when I let go with my legs, I'd spin on the floor in in just like this B-boy pose. Um, Did it go as planned? I don't see that. Almost. It almost (laughs) went as planned, all right? So I ended in the B-boy pose. We did the horizontal. We did the release. It was really good. Uh, Except for I miscalculated my last kick. I kicked him right in in the groin, so it was not quite as uh, flawless as we had imagined <laughs> it to be. But it's uh, still, I, mean, it, I feel it, it like still, it still looked really cool. <laughs> uh, I'll have to ask someone who was there. <laughs> We need video. We need video evidence of that. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has can,
2: it. Can we post that in the show notes?
0: I don't know if anyone has it. I, I could ask John or a couple of my other friends. That was,
2: that was back before all this. Social media and video yeah,
0: I think I had like a flip phone uh, or like one of the slide phones that had like a, a bigger uh, display, but you slid it up and you you could type that way yeah. that was a side note, but yeah, was yeah. Good. <laughs> I okay.
2: forgot what the original conversation was about uh, we
0: were just talking about the the year of no drinking
2: Oh right. So even though I missed, well, even (laughs) though I missed my segue into that, we are really proud of you, and we wanted to congratulate you for um, having that vision and going through with something that you your heart set out to do, and even going further and actually figuring out something about yourself while doing it.
1: Again, I think I think
2: congrats, brother.
1: and I think when you, I think when you told me about it originally
0: I, I I didn't have a beer for like a week. yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I was really reluctant to talk about it because like alcohol is one of those weird things that if you stop I mean this is a meme that's out there, but it's really true is if you stop doing like drinking or, or talking about it, um, sometimes people will say, "Well, why? what's wrong?" Um, and so I was really reluctant to talk about it for a little while, but what I found over the course of this year is that I feel like, not that it's directly related, but as, as I found confidence in it, I found my voice a little bit more to be able to, to put it out there. And, and, you know, when people would ask me that question, I I would originally get upset and then I would have to be aware of why I was getting upset and I was able to turn it around and and really realize that it doesn't matter because um, yeah. it's still kind of well, still I mean I
2: think I think that uh the first well not the first time but when you mentioned it to me and Marcus a little while ago we reacted in that same way not because we really thought that there was something wrong right. uh, yeah. but,
1: I wasn't the one who reacted that way but yeah, I understand uh, what
2: <laughs> it was both of us Marcus no no <laughs> yeah <Anyway. laughs> but after taking a step back and thinking about it uh we really just wanted to support you and
0: i appreciate that yeah. and, and let me be clear about my initial reaction too that was me that wasn't like you know i don't want you guys to ever feel bad about that because that was a me reaction it wasn't anything to do with you guys uh and i think Marcus actually texted me the day after that, and I was like, you know, I, I was mad, but then I, I really spent some time holding that and, and tolerating it and realized it came from not from you guys, it came from internally, and it just kind of motivated me to keep going and, and challenge myself to be like, oh, why am I having this reaction, and how can I honor this reaction, and turn that energy around, right, Um and so that was really helpful for me too, and and I appreciate you guys bringing that up and, and supporting me now, but also I I really appreciated you guys then too. Well, I mean that's 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 great
1: that you're you're able to to do that to kind of self self reflect and, and, and own it, and um, I think today we need a lot more of that. I mean, I think I think that the times that are going on right now are are really. Special, because there were, we're confronting a lot of stuff that was always in the background, whether it's COVID or the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I want I wanted to ask you what what kind of things have you learned um, through through this? Um, because I, for me, I've learned a lot. Like I've learned, uh, you know, I need trigger warnings on certain things so that pe- people who, who look at my page my posts or whatever aren't, aren't being bombarded with stuff that could, you know, negatively self-affect them. Um, I've learned, um, that you need to, whether, it, whether it's just, it's not just about trigger warnings. It's about controlling your page where we, we all have an aunt who, um, you know, doesn't agree with our politics and, uh, you had, you had a thing going on with her about some of this stuff. And, um, I actually publicly had to ask her to stop posting on my page. Um, a, a friend of ours, uh, Lauren, you know, pointed out that if, if I'm not going to, if I'm, if I'm not going to, she didn't know she was, she was my aunt, but, uh, if I'm not going to control the page, um, then people of color are not going to feel comfortable coming to my page. And since I, you know, my family has, has people of color in it now, and, and a bunch of my friends, um, that's, that's on me. And I never even thought about that. Those two things. I was, I stuff that angered me, I'd post it. Uh, stuff that um, triggered me. I posted, uh, you know, letting people kind of go a little bit, you know, because they're, their family. Um, and just, and knowing that I'm not going to win an argument with them because they're very set in their ways. And, but I, it got to the point where, you know, friends, my other friends are like, Yo, who is this person? You know? And I was like, well, she's my aunt, And they're like, Oh, I feel so bad. And I'm like, don't, she can handle herself. But yeah, you know we don't agree. So I mean, I know you had a, a thing going on with her where you guys, you were you were just putting her in a place, and and um, and we love her. But uh, you know, I had to also ask that she not post on my page anymore because there's just too much negativity and hate in the world. And you know, we're trying to swim through this this negative <laughs> this water filled with with garbage. You know, and people just keep throwing garbage in there, and we actually have the power to say, hey, stop throwing garbage in the water. I'm swimming in. Yeah, so, uh, I want to talk to you about that, um, your own personal, what you've learned, and um, what you think is is valuable for other people to learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest thing is introspection and and being able to hear criticism and internalize that and really not shy away from it. I think um, one of the biggest things I've learned, and, and my wife and I talk a lot about this, and she's also. You know she's being a little bit more vocal on the stuff that she really feels is re- really important um is before what you're alluding to with our on before you know she she'd comment on stuff and and I would uh delete it because i I really just didn't want that right like we're talking about controlling the page i I was doing that um and I'm okay with that, but I also felt you know, like I was talking about this this year journey about feeling more empowered and, and, and doing that introspection and really finding my voice. It was really important for me in this one specific incident that you were talking about to not just delete, um, to respond back why um, and, and to really just put it out there. And I also, in that process, the same thing that you were talking about is controlling the page. Uh, a good friend of mine, mine, Sebastian, um, lives in Boston. He w- he was just talking about this idea of, you know, controlling your page, but also if you're having that conversation, do it in DMs so that it's not triggering for other people so that people still feel comfortable looking at your posts and, and communicating because that's something, you know, having white privilege, like we do, we don't think about a lot. We see, injustice and we're like look at this fucking injustice we got to do something about it not realizing how that can affect people who are going through that that struggle whether whether it's black lives matter whether it's you know people who have had trauma reactions to to certain things um even stuff that you know we think maybe a little bit mundane you never know how that affects someone else um even sharing tweets from, from people who are, that are just insensitive and talking about abuse. And like, I can't believe you said that. That can be really triggering for someone who's gone through abuse, who's gone through a trauma response. And I think that's really important to think of and, and pay attention to. Speaking up's really important. And then directing your, your skill set, right? Um, I had another post I, I posted not too long ago. Um, I think Caitlin shared it too. And that came from a conversation, uh, a podcast that's not out yet. And just this concept of feeling helpless and not knowing where to direct our energy and, and not understanding what to do with it, but having this this kind of outrage uh, at what's going on. And I think the concept in the this podcast that was really cool, because we were talking about martial arts and what was really cool about it was we were talking about Bruce Lee, who just had, you know, a 30 for 30 come out, which I haven't peeped yet, but I have to, I have to check it out. And this concept of using your like leading with your strength, right? Um, Whether you, you agree with like that martial art aspect or not, like it's a really, really interesting concept of using your strongest longest weapon at, at the nearest target. And so we, we get into it more on that podcast, but to me it was really eye-opening because like, yeah, I do have a skill set. Yeah, I do have some strengths, and I'm trying to conform that into a different practice. Like for all intents and purposes, I'm trying to take my skill set and apply it to a different martial art that it doesn't translate well in because that's not my martial art. Right. But I can help people through using my my skill set. I can help the movements I believe in. By using that, I need to listen to wh- where it's needed, right? I need to educate myself on where it's needed, and I need to take action on that. And so, I, I think, you know, for me as as a privileged white male, you know, the the top rung of 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 privilege, right? It's really important for me to be introspective and and to see how things that I think are mundane and no big deal to to me, are, are different for other people, and not to get defensive when people call me out on that, but to listen and learn from that, and, and then direct my energy towards changing that. Um, how I approach it, and, and helping other people who, who might be of similar vein uh, as myself do that as well. And that's where I'm really blessed, is that I have this ability to connect with people. It's my job. I also have this platform to use, right? Like I, not only this platform, but this platform of, of kind of talking about um, mental health and wellness and, and connection. Because like we were saying before, that connection that we lost in COVID, right? That the physical connection in giving, in, in being of service and giving to other people um, to really have gratitude, it's still regulating for your emotions, man. And if I could teach people or help people see that, whether it's an adult, whether it's a family, whether it's a a young white male who's as privileged as I am, early on, we we can make a real difference. And I was talking to one of my friends um, about this the other day, and it's really important for us to hold adults accountable and really make change on that level. It's even more important that we help future generations navigate this and, and teach them and help them learn and have them be a voice, have them be empowered and have them learn and, and dedicate themselves to this and, and their skill sets. So So I'm honored to work with youth. I'm honored to work with anyone who is seeking to make a change. And I'm also aware that for me, for me I'm not always going to be the one to like for people, I'm not always going to be the one to, to come to for that. But my hope is to connect people to to other people that can do that for them, even if I can't do that.
1: For the Promethean project, one of our biggest assets, I feel, is the uh, the the idea of physical health and how that brings mental health to the forefront. How how they're yeah. they're not separate and they're they're very very closely entwined. And could you talk a little bit about that?
0: Oh, I'm so excited you brought that up. Um, yeah, so I mean this idea of the mind body we hear all the time. And, you know, some of the greatest scheduling software out there is called mind body. It's a really, (laughs) you know, exciting concept to be like, Oh, we're, they're not different. There's a connection there, right? Like the mind and the body are are harmonious. Um, I would take it one step further and like, there's no need to differentiate between the two because they're the same exact thing. Right. Um, and you could get into the nitty gritties of of what a mind means. Um, Really this idea for me is that a mind is is what you use to make sense of the world, right? It's your thoughts, it's your senses, it's how your body reacts to gut feelings, it's how you uh, process the food that you eat, it's how that food then gives you the energy to have that cognition. Um, and regulate your emotions, is, it's all these things because it, they're not separate. There is a connection, but it's more than that because it's the same thing. Um, one of the things that blew my mind in, in doing research in physical wellness and mental wellness is that your heart has its own nervous system. That is crazy. There's neurons on your heart, man. Like there's this weird nervous system going on with your heart that connects and talks to your brain way more than you would ever think it does right? Your your heart can talk to your brain and it can change your nervous system reaction and vice versa. Your nervous system can do that right back. Your brain can do that. Your lungs can do that. Your digestive system can do that. Um, and the fascia in your butt, like it's well known in, in mental health, that fascia holds trauma, holds energy that gets stuck there. And that's why sometimes when people get massages or physical release, they start crying and it's not because the pain's so intense, it's because there's an emotional release from that physical release, right? And so, um, you know, I love that concept so much so that I'm, I'm doing research on who knows if I If I, I hope, I'm gonna hold myself accountable, I've mentioned it on here, I'm gonna write a book, <laughs> right? And, and my idea <laughs> is to call it the five minds of mental health, right? Um, just really focusing on five different systems and, and how it contributes to physical wellness, but also mental wellness. And I like the play on words one because, as you know, uh, huge martial arts fan, martial art movies, um, you know, like manga, animes, all that stuff. And the, it sounds a lot like, um, you know, the five rings or the fist of five kings. You, you use that in your raps all the time, right? Um, and. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. another
2: podcast
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh so i liked that play in words and then also when i looked up what mental health means it's it's just kind of like the health of your mind right and so if you look at this mind body connection it's like mental health is physical health man if you use your mind in the way i, I just talked about and mental health means like the health of your mind Physical health, physical health and mental health are the same thing. There's no need to differentiate it. And so when you're looking at, at making a change, you also have to look at your physical health. You have to look at your posture. It's connected to your emotions. You have to look at what you're eating. And like your emotions are fueled by amino acids, right? Like the food you eat gets broken down and the amino acids get processed through your gut and sent to your brain and they make serotonin, they make dopamine, they make GABA, they make norepinephrine, they make all these things, right? And so if you're low on those things or if they're not functioning right, your food is super important to that. Now that it's gonna heal everything, right? Um, But guess what, medicine doesn't heal everything either. So I I think it's important to look at at all these aspects when you're talking about mental health and physical health and wellness yeah
1: without a doubt and you're just talking about the the reactions that happen when you get a massage or whatever and and just I want to go back to that for a second if you've ever been at some of these meditation seminars or or been in some of these things when we're doing some pretty intense meditation i've seen people pass out and they just when they're doing this kind of dissolving they hit a they hit a point you know and and something opens up and releases it and it's it's they've been holding so much there that the release is so strong it shuts the system down so we were doing a standing meditation and this lady just passed out later on we found out that she when she got down to a specific area she she had had an abortion and when she got down to her ovaries as she was going down releasing all this tension she had a blockage and it released because of the because of the community, there was like 100 people there doing this thing. And, and the teacher, Kumar Francis, was doing his thing or whatever. And, and when she hit there, uh, she just released all this tension and it was such a shock to the body, she passed out. Yeah. Um, and, and in certain situations, you're gonna have these releases anyway, whether they're triggered by interactions with your community or interactions with yourself. And having that the physicality to be able to um weather that release is also important. And so he, he, I'm just adding on to what you said, but the 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 point is you can't separate
0: the 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 two. Yeah, it's integrative. And right. you know, to speak a little bit about where you were talking about the first time I went to uh one of Kumar's sessions, it we was standing uh Taoist Yoga, I think we were doing. And right. um, before that I had gotten a physical and they, they had thought I had a heart murmur. And I was really worried about that. And what came up, I, I think I've, I don't know if Caitlin I've ever told you this, but Marcus knows this story. Um, when I was doing that, I had a very vivid kind of experience of, of dissolving down, you, you know, picturing things as a, a solid and then a liquid and then a gas and releasing it from the bar, body and i got to my heart and i had this weird situation where there was this blue and yellow electricity um i'm not really sure where that came from i know we were listening to most Def, uh black on both sides a lot and i know he he talks a lot about blue like there's one song i can't remember there's like he he mentions blue and yellow uh, lightning or le- electricity in it um so i'm not sure if that's how it manifests um but that's cool too right because i love Mostef. Um, or Yasin Bay, as he goes by now. Um, and so I was just sitting outside of my heart, seeing, seeing it beat, right? And all around it were, were these liquid pools in, in space. And then I zoomed into the heart and I was inside the walls of my heart and I saw them contracting and expanding. And part of me was really scared. It was like, I've never been inside a heart this big <laughs> before. I, I have no idea what's going to happen to me if I, I'm living in this heart. Um, and, you know, there was so much tension there that I I was actually able to release it. And I, it was weird for me because it was my real first experience on meditation or or doing any kind of that, that work. And, um, you know, I, I went back a little while later to get a follow-up and I didn't have a heart murmur anymore. And I think, you know, that directly relates to the, the physicality of this idea of, Um, we hold so much in in the these these wells of of parts of ourselves and I I think sometimes they're directly physical and I think sometimes I know sometimes they're really somatic in nature and if we find a way to release some of that somatic hold we can we can make like really big changes and this was like this was even before I was I was into fitness this was still like Eating that ten pizza slices going on, yeah. right? Or and ten, so ten pieces, ten pizzas, um, ten pizza Steve they used to call me, um, so, and so I know that there's strength in there, and I know physicality is really important for being able to do that, even when physically I wasn't even in the healthiest of, of positions. So I just want to throw that in there because I know you were mentioning that and it was, it was connected. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, actually one of the great,
1: great stories. And then it, it, when when you, a lot of times when people have stuff like just like you're talking about when you're doing meditation, you get into these places, you're going to have these kind of visions or these feelings. And that, it's important to follow that and not, not hold it like you did. You felt, you followed it and then you were able to release. Um, a lot of times, and the, the point is to get clear where you're not seeing colors or seeing anything, because if you're seeing something, it's, it's telling you, Hey, just check this out, do some self-maintenance over here. It's a good thing. But the point is it's so clear that nothing, nothing is in there. And that's, that's the high, that's the high level that I, you know, I haven't attained or anything, but um, this is, this is the goal. And if we don't start somewhere and if we we're not being, if we're not talking about it, and we're not doing it, and we're not being uh, mentors for it, uh, then people aren't going to do it. You know, I talk to people all the time. Oh yeah, I can meditate. I can sit quietly. Okay, good. That's a good thing. But that's not meditation. That's a prerequisite for meditation. And see, there's so much misinformation out there. You know, and I know you're you're studying, you're studying um, meditation quite thoroughly. And what what are some of the things you're going you're doing right now in your meditation practice? Yeah, we do um, we do different meditations, but we do like, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I like to play around with it a, a little bit. Um, I'm not. I do guided meditations every once in a while. It's not my favorite way to do it because I feel distracted when I do it. Yeah. Uh, it can be helpful for different things. I, I, I was going to a chiropractor for a while um, because when I. <laughs> Hey, let's throw this story out there, too. When I was a little kid, I fell down because uh, one of my siblings left the basement door open.
1: She's, and, not, uh, here right <laughs> She's
0: not here right now. She's not I, on this podcast right now. And I was in a walker, and so uh, I, went, I went down the basement stairs headfirst. And luckily, nothing broke. Um, but come to find out years later, I think probably about six or seven, probably six years ago, I found out that I do have an injury in my neck. And most likely, it's from that fall because I haven't really had any crazy other injuries that, that have happened to me. It actually pushed my uh, my ribs and my shoulder blade so that the top part of my ribs is, is uh, touching my shoulder blade, uh, which I, if anyone doesn't know, that's not really the best <laughs> situation to have. That's, that's not,
1: not the worst. It work. Yeah, it's not, I, supposed to work, it's not but...
0: the worst by any means, but um fair amount of like tension and uh You know possible to have i I may have arthritis in my neck so i you know i was going to a chiropractor uh, obviously that's on hold right now but um he gave me some really good stuff we we got a lot of mobility back um actually mobility has never really been an issue in my neck it's just the the tension uh pain that happens in this chain right um And he gave me a CD to listen to before sleep. And it's really helpful. It's actually a really good guided meditation, but that's probably the only one I enjoy doing um, because it uses different wavelengths in in the guided meditation. It's not just someone talking. It it, it records on different um, audio wavelengths. So it kind of works on different parts of the brain that way. Um, And like I think it's really delta wave based which is for relaxation so it's cool to listen to but my main source of the way I've been meditating lately is doing mala meditations um, and pairing that with some some meta meditations which is really just about it's uh, caring kindness putting out positive energy um, doing some mantra work and just really focusing on some some concepts that you know, before I hadn't really been, I, I, I can sit, I can sit without any music. I can sit without anything. I've done a couple float tanks without any music or any light. Um, I really enjoy those. That That's a whole nother trip we could talk about. Um, but I found that the mala, I really enjoy because having a young daughter who I don't know when she's going to get up. Um, the mala gives me that 15 to 20 minutes of meditation that I, I can I can count on. Like I know I I'm not counting the time but I know at the end of my practice with the mala um I'm at that limit. I got that 15-20 minutes depending on how slow I breathe um to get there. And so I can really focus on the texture of of the mala in my hand, the smell of the sandalwood because it's made out of green sandalwood which I did on purpose because green's my favorite color and I love sandalwood. And it helps me relax it helps me to focus on the meta meditation which is just really putting out that that stuff and sometimes uh sometimes i do mantras and mm-hmm. just kind of repeat it on the the inhale and the exhale um and i'm really liking that and the meta stuff i just love because it, it really is like yeah i can i can wish peace love and happiness and and calmness and and joy to you and Caitlin and to my wife and to my daughter and to mom and dad and to Jenny. And, you know, I could keep listing our family, but I'm going to leave someone out. So all my family and friends, um, I can do that. That's easy. It's hard to do for myself. So part of the meta meditation is to do that for myself, for, for my loved ones, for my friends, for my acquaintances, and then even more challenging for people I can't stand, for people I don't know. And for maybe people who have wronged me, and I like that because when I was in high school, my brother Marcus <laughs> brought me to see the Dalai Lama speak, and that changed my life too. Because he he said, "Look, you know, it's really to feel like you have something over someone uh, is, is not really the task, right? And so if we if we can switch that around." If you can see the good in that person, even if you can't stand them, you see something that they do really well, even more so than you, you can honor that person for for what they are and you can let go of that hate for the person. And that's been something that's resonated, me, resonated with me forever, but hard to really maintain. And the meta meditation helps me do that. And he was really funny. I love that. What he said that was really funny was, uh, oh, you know, my neighbor. I uh, I don't get along with him. He's he's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but he can grow hair. He can grow hair better than <laughs> I. Because Dalai Lama uh, is losing some of his hair, and he's like, oh, so he's better at better than me at growing hair. So I, I'm gonna value that. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's, it seems so simple, but it's so hard to practice. Like the concept is really simple, but it, it definitely. Yeah. So I like having that space of at least getting fifteen to twenty minutes, um, I found that when I need it the most, I tend to not use it as much because I, I always have another reason not to Oh, I got to do this," or oh, I'm reading The Witcher, I need to know what happens. I'll do that <laughs> instead. Um, and I have to I have to be introspective on that and like why am i why am I avoiding this? And a lot of times it's because I'm stressed out. I don't want to admit I'm stressed out or I'm doing too much. Um, And that, that should be the time I should turn to it. And so that's a practice I'm working on right now. That's
2: awesome. And I love, I love that. Um, I know that you obviously you are deep into meditation and so is Marcus. Mm. Um, But I was wondering, so what, started you or what really got you into meditation what advice do you have for people that are listening to this podcast and hearing what you have to say and thinking you know this is something that I could really use that that I really want to get into where would you have them start and I know I know maybe you don't have the answers but in your personal experience what would you say to them
0: um so I I think martial arts movies first got me into meditation uh I've mentioned this (laughs) before I really you know obviously Marcus has been a huge impact on my life um he's my only brother um I kind of consider him my sage on when I'm having a hard time and obviously you can really um but I was just just throw a
2: burn in at Marcus and he can really relate to the Dalai Lama and um <laughs> With his neighbor growing hair better than him.
0: Anyways, I'm going to skip over that. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be a sibling interview if we didn't throw shade at each other. But um, I remember he's he has to step away, but he'll listen to this on replay. Uh, I remember in eighth grade, uh, we just moved to Belchertown, and I was having a hard time fitting in, and. I remember Marcus talking to me a lot about Taoism and Buddhism and watching martial arts movies together. And I I really enjoyed that. And I remember at the, at the Belchertown fair, there was this alien shirt, which was really big in the nineties, like alien (laughs) shirts in general. And the alien head had the yin and the yang on it. Right. And I was like, this relates to so much about Taoism and I'm so excited. I really want it. And I didn't have enough money and mom and dad wouldn't give me any money <laughs> to yeah. buy it, and i was really upset um think about like an emotional eighth grader who just moved to a new town was having a hard time fitting in really see, saw this and so i was you know i was being emotional and which is fine but um so marcus uh sat down and talked to me and talked to me about taoism and how the, the yin and the yang are great but really it's the gray that they create which is the path that we want to walk and i was like oh so i don't need the shirt i can just to the philosophy <laughs> and uh which which was really moving to me uh i ended up getting the shirt i don't remember who paid for it um but at that point like it was nice to have it but also i had let go of that attachment to it um and so that kind of cultivated this idea and then like I said that experience of going to the the Taoist yoga meditation the experience right. of seeing the Dalai Lama really started cultivating it more in me and say oh I you know I can't just be a show person on on energy work or or martial arts and meditation uh I actually have to do the discipline and and so uh, over the course of years that I lost that passion and then you know doing really diving into mental health and and talking to Marcus when he was living in Taiwan and, and going to Taiwan and being a part of that practice really was like, yep, man, you you got to do something. And so I started dabbling with it. And then, you know, it, it's, it's a good practice. It's a good discipline. I always feel like I need to do it more, um, but I like doing it. And so for people who are interested in it, I think an important idea is to start with just uh, mindful awareness because uh, mindfulness and meditation are different. there are mindful me- meditations um, but i this idea about being present and not judging that that practice and not judging yourself if you get distracted is really important and so working first with mindfulness and then finding um, a style of meditation, a practice of meditation that really speaks to you I, I mentioned the mala meditation work for me um, but really finding what works for you. And that could be moving meditation. That could be, um, you you know, like a a general meditation, which is kind of the mindfulness meditation is sitting and and just observing. So it's kind of a widespread meditation. It could be meta meditation. It could be different styles of a focused meditation, which is like breath. And you you pick one singular thing to focus on and you spend that time. So that that's my recommendation. It is a discipline, right? And so people will often say to me, I can't meditate. And often I'll say, yeah, no shit. You haven't tried to. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, it's funny. You should say that because the reason I asked that question was for everyone listening that want, maybe wants to try it out and um, get into it. But also because I have tried to meditate many times and Even my husband will ask me, he'll ask me to go meditate with him um, and I just kind of shrug it off Mm -hmm. because it's a discipline and I need to make myself do it to receive what I need out of it. And I think a lot of the reason why I'm so off put by making myself try to meditate and to really get into it is because I don't want to see what comes out of it. Um, yeah. But really, I I do want to see what comes out of it, and that's that's why I'm asking you. Um, and we can talk about this more later. But I, sure. that's a great answer. Um, yeah, I mean, so I mean,
0: it, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, I mean, what you're saying is is change in general, right? Like to be vulnerable, to see what happens, to take that chance. It's easy to sit back and be like, well, if I don't meditate, I know what's going to happen. I might be anxious. I might be frustrated. I might have anger um i know that because that's kind of what's happening that's the reason i'm thinking about meditation but if i do try meditation what if i can't do it what if i, I still am angry um i'm still anxious and the reality is it's like you are still going to be those things but you have better understanding and insight into them and you have more tolerance and control over it and i think that's a big thing that people don't understand it's not Meditation doesn't solve these things. Like neurochemically, it's really helpful for uh, calmness um, because of breath control and, and, and nervous system regulation. Um, mm-hmm. But also you still have them. It just gives you more clarity on what that is and, and why. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, right. it's awesome. You, you know, I know your husband likes to... Uh, use certain guided meditations and i think that's great because it's really helpful to start with a guided meditation because it, it kind of coaxes you into hey you don't have to just sit in quiet you can kind of use that and be guided by them um i find that they can be really good if you if you have good ones but most of the time the way my brain works is like why do they sound that way do you think they actually talk this <laughs> in real life do you think they're like and then breathe in Do you think they actually talk like that um and so it works sometimes i have to be in the right frame of mind but i think more for me is like i like to to be in my like hear my own voice if i'm doing mantras in my head and then also call myself Mm -hmm. out in the sense like oh you're not focused on this put that to the side come back right because that's the thing about meditation is the that that clarity that marcus was talking about is the goal um to attain right to get to that level but also along that line you're gonna get distracted and it's not about like oh god i got distracted it's about like okay i'll think about that later let me go back to my breath or let me go back to my mindful awareness or let me go back to my mantra and you may have to do that 25 times in a minute um, but through practice it becomes easier and then you'd still have crappy meditations it's just reality
2: (laughs) So next podcast that yes. you do with me, we'll touch yeah. back on this meditation. And <laughs> we'll next podcast around. that I do with you, we'll talk about your book that will yeah. be out, The Five well, so, Minds Mental Health.
0: So um, Marcus isn't here right now, but we're, we're also, Marcus uh, and I talked about making a, a children's book um, that I'm really excited for. I have an outline for that. So I think I'm going to focus on that first. I have about 15, 16 pages of my other book written. Um, but I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I might focus on the children's book first, which is teaching mindfulness through training to be a ninja. So I'm excited about that. That's nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. I might, um, edit, I might edit that out. So no one gaffles the idea though. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, <laughs> um, don't
2: steal it. Don't steal it. Um, I guess we don't fall far from the tree because I am also in the process of writing a children's book, but uh, we, yeah. we can talk about that another
0: time i love how we're so secretive about <laughs> we don't yeah. want people to know until it's ready but then we both announce it on a podcast
2: <laughs> so, well it's I'm been just an happy honor to month. talk
0: to you guys it's nice to be on this other side of things
2: <laughs> well i wish i could hear everything that was happening
0: <laughs> <laughs> no worries
2: all right well so i just let's just wrap this up with the questions that you ask every podcast guest. Awesome. Um, So, yeah. So if you could, well, before we talk about this, let's talk about, we haven't really touched on your comic book geekiness at all.
0: Yeah. Because that
2: makes you, that's a large part of what makes you who you are.
0: Oh, it definitely
2: Uh, is. So, I don't have a question prepared, so I'm just going to think of one um, really quickly, but um, while we will ask the the original two questions um, for the end of the podcast, do you have a comic book character or series that really has resonated with you and has changed your life and even maybe has pushed you in this direction of Mm – Spearheading the Promethean project. I
0: knew the spearheading was going fi- <laughs> to find its way in here. I, I thought it was going to come earlier when we were talking about VVM. Um, I
2: wanted to start it off that way, but Marcus kind of took it away. So
0: yeah. um, That's a reference to VVM and a conversation with the much touted, the toted, toted touted, 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 the much uh, well-respected and cared for and at Lauren <laughs> I, I don't know where that sentence went it's like I talk all day so uh, Lauren and I were talking and Marcus was there and uh, we were talking about how to do something and, and I, I was like I spearheaded the Promethean project and Marcus was like really and I was like kind of yeah um, kind
2: of you, you have been spearheading this project since the beginning
0: Thanks.
2: <laughs> no, okay. sorry. Um, no, sorry, it cut out. So I wasn't sure if I was still there. Um, you've been spearheading this project since the beginning and really putting in the initiative that, I mean, we're all working full-time jobs and we're trying to make this become a set-in-stone brick-and-mortar organization, um, right. but you're really going above and beyond. and. We're very lucky to have you as our CEO and as our founder of the Promethean Project. And so while Marcus in jest said that to you, it is definitely true and we hold it at the highest respect for you.
0: Thank you. Um, Yeah, so. But back to the comic books. In terms of comic books, uh, push me in this direction. I know it's obvious anyone who knows me captain america is a a huge influence in my life not just because he looks great in spandex and holding a shield but just the concept and i you know i really struggled (laughs) with that idea of captain america for a really long time i was always a wolverine deadpool um fan and still a huge fan of those guys shout out to wolverine and deadpool Deadpool. I read a couple comics with Cap in it that really changed my mind on him. At first, I thought he was kind of like Superman, a glorified uh, Boy Scout. I'm going to get a bunch of flack from Superman fans about this. I'm not a huge Superman fan. Um, <laughs> but in those comics, I I really saw through just that glorified Boy Scout image of, of Captain America, because he was written in a way that was giving him a lot of conflict. He, he even... Um, forsook the, the mantle of Captain America, as you see in some of the Marvel movies, because he disagreed with the direction things were going in. Um, but there's a deeper character there, right? And so, so standing up um, in the face of adversity, being, being a voice for the people and, and really helping his fellow man, that kind of resonates with me um, as we talked about in here. So that was a big one. In terms of just fun, comics and story arcs I, I have to go with you know like preacher that's that's just <laughs> uh why the last man is probably Ugh. one of my favorites uh, if not my favorite um story arc uh of any comics the last Trans-
2: man definitely do it
0: yeah you definitely listen to it you, get, you cut out, it just said like The Last Man, but why The Last Man? Look it out? <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn. Shout out to Brian K. Vaughn if you're listening, yeah. which you, I hope you are, but probably not. Um,
2: <laughs> Can we get Brian K. Vaughn on here?
0: Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's put it out there to the All universe. Right. And um,
2: okay. I'll meditate on
0: it. Saga is really great. Another Brian K. Vaughn book. Um, Transmit, is always really fun to read too. Uh, the Boys. Okay. Those are all like, like some of them are are really uh, thoughtful story arcs, and some of them are just fun to see, mm-hmm. um, and dark, and dark, yeah, and and gr- have great written characters that um, go through some stuff and sometimes persevere and sometimes don't. Um, the way La- why the last man ended was interesting as well. So um,
2: oh, I could talk all day about it.
0: Yeah. So I I would say those those stories are. Or integral parts in X men, like my first comic book that was for Marcus it was X men and the the inner cover of that was Beast and Wolverine combing their hair to go out on a night in the town with X men. I thought, what is this? <laughs> like why, why are they combing their hair like and and I like the concept of X men and being mutants and being separate and and feeling different and persecuted and 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 judged and to see them as almost like a family that bonded through that process was it's a really strong um, comic, right? Uh, movies, right. They don't, don't, the movies don't really capture it. Hugh Jackman's a great Wolverine, um, but the comics really capture that family unity of the X-Men and I really like that coming together of, you know, family's not always who, you're not always born into it. Sometimes it's the people that you connect with the most. So.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Well, all right. It's getting late. So let's, yes, let's jump wrap it up into your question. <laughs> yes. Um, so first question, um, or I guess I should say both of them at the same time. Um, if, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
0: Uh, any superpower. I go back and forth on it. There's, there's two and it's really cheap. It's, um, there's a podcast coming out where I asked this question to one of my, my guests and he they had the most that made me feel shameful because it was pretty much like I would want the power to help people see who they really are and find that love for themselves, and and I was like, no, <laughs> like my my superpowers are always about getting more superpowers. So um, there's two that I always like. One I, I think I stole from Marcus, which kind of stole from Marcus the idea of, to control chemical uh, to control molecules in the sense that I could uh, speed them up, I could slow them down, I could kind of use molecules to have multiple superpowers. Go through walls, fly, shoot beams out of my eyes or hands, because um, we, <laughs> we all know havoc is the better summer's uh, brother. And so there's that. And then the other one would be to control probability. And if we're in a world where there are superpowers, uh, the probability of having a superpower is probably way, way more realistic, so I could just have any superpower I wanted. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: so there's that.
2: All right, all right. What do you believe your superpower is currently?
0: Um, doing the worm, of course. <laughs> no, no, not doing the worm. Um, Though that, that's pretty graceful and awesome looking. I would <laughs> say that one of my greatest powers is insight and the ability to always learn um interesting i would say compassion as well i'm pretty pretty decent at holding compassion and, and gratitude um
2: that's something you learned right you weren't always
0: no, <laughs> no especially not when caitlin was younger um yeah. I like those but I really do think what what makes me stand out a little bit from from other people who do my job and again not to tout like I'm awesome or not and all this but I really do think I I I have a really strong power of insight and I always want to learn so I approach counseling or working with people not as the professional but hey what can you teach me right and I think that works really well with kids because they Oftentimes have trouble with power dynamics, and if I'm like, no, man, I'm learning from you too. Let's just have a conversation. But if I approach it that, hey, I'm learn, I'm here to learn from you too, so that I can better help you understand, and you can better help me understand what you're going through. I feel like that is uh, a superpower I have.
2: I love that. That's a great answer. Yeah, and I, I love just that. I'm gonna steal that from you. But asking what you can learn from other people, which that's what we need to do. Um, yeah. I do have one little curveball for you before we okay. completely wrap up. But so everyone has a villain inside them, right? Just a small part, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you clearly are working to push that villain down. Um, but what would you say your villain's power is that lies inside of you?
0: Um. All right, so first, let me say, I'm not trying to push the villain down. I'm trying to better understand it and and find a way to work with it. Um,
2: Of course, of
0: course. (laughs) I have to, I was pushing things down. It's never really good. Um, And so the superpower of that villain would probably be this idea of, um, this is a good question. I like this. i might have to steal it for the other podcast. Um, this idea of envy, um, or unfairness, right? Like in a combination, right? Um, mm-hmm. cause I think it's really important to, to own up to what some of our faults might be. And, and for me, it's always, I've always had this envious feeling of things, not so much that I wanted to live a certain life or, or have What other people have, but really this idea of, I mean, they don't know, these people around me don't understand what I'm dealing with. Um, And it must be nice, right, Um, to not have to deal with that. And it's kind of, it's kind of, I know it's a frustrating thing because I know consciously and Um, logically, that that's not true, that everyone has their own path, but it comes up from time to time, and I have to work really hard and be like, why am I feeling this way? Okay, I'm feeling this way because, um, you know, something happened to me that I didn't like, and was it really happening to me, or was that just reality? And and if I'm going to get stuck in the negative, what's that going to lead to, and how can I turn this around? And I think, um, that that's come with a lot of insight and it's always a work in progress but i, th- I think if there was a villain it is, it is that good answer <laughs> thanks
2: <laughs> of course you had to turn my words around Tommy. Huh?
0: <laughs> what do you mean
2: no i never mind cut that part out <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> uh...
2: that,
0: that is something i struggle with and uh, you know that that's not fair kind of thing why do I have to do this Um,
2: right and I I think a lot of people struggle with that so it's it's super important how you're kind of depicting it and when you're in that situation thinking to yourself why am I feeling this way and kind of working through it and I think that if if everyone could do that if everyone kind of took a step back before reacting this world would be a much different place and hopefully we're We're working to get there.
0: Yes, 100%.
2: On that note, I just want to say thanks so much for letting your brother and your sister interview you. I hope everyone out there uh, learned a little bit about our CEO and founder. Um, And I think there's a lot of little snippets in there you can use against him. So (laughs) for any future podcast guests, If you need any, uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's not so easy, is it?
2: (laughs) No, I'm bad at this. You and Marcus are good.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, thank you guys. I I really am honored that you guys uh, did this podcast with me and we could have fun doing it, but also, you know, challenge each other and and be honest and open with the listeners. I think it's important. And I'm really glad to do this because I remember doing the first podcast with you, Caitlin. Oh, man. Our friends at BBM, we were really excited. We were like, hey, we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they listened to it. And uh, so one of them came up to me and was like, "When are you going to talk about you?" Uh, <laughs> so now it's only been
2: thirty, 30 plus 30 episodes. Plus so. episodes
0: later, um, <laughs> you guys finally get to hear a little bit about me and my journey. And so um, I'm glad to share that with everyone.
2: All right. Well, All right. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to end it, Marcus.
0: Why are you so quiet? Oh, you're not there. <laughs>
2: i know i need marcus for those things i was talking to nick earlier i was talking to nick earlier and i was like steven and marcus are so good at talking i'm just gonna be like a mess
0: a mongering mess i think marcus planned it so that you would have to step up
2: i was really concerned i wasn't gonna hear you for that part and marcus wasn't gonna be here and it was just gonna be empty
0: well we almost had that hiccup with the questions but we're good all right, why don't we end and Marcus will send Forget. this stuff. I right, love you guys.
2: Love you too. Do some good editing.
0: Right, I will. You know it's going to be crazy <laughs> is we're both going to leave and Marcus's Zoom meeting is still going to be going on. Let's text him. All right, love you. All
2: right, love you Bye. too.
0: Hey. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at theprometheumproject.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.